It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Russ Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast presented by BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code PODCAST1 always for that 50% sign-up bonus. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Love everything about the NFL. Love regular NFL news and the Ross Tucker football podcast. Love talking about gambling on the Even Money podcast. And yes, I love talking fantasy with my guy, Evan Silva. He's at Evan Silva on Twitter. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. Twitter and Instagram. Facebook is facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Evan, good morning. How are you? Good morning, man. I'm doing pretty well. Well rested. You know, um, getting ready for the, the the busy period, but you know this is kind of the slow period where we can sit back and assess what's going on with the OTAs and the mini camps, kind of in the rearview mirror. Now it's going to be pretty quiet until uh, late July when it really starts amping back up. Yeah, it kind of feels like the calm before the storm. But even yep. just anecdotally talking to people. They're starting to gear up for fantasy football season. I mean, they're really starting to, to dive in. They're paying attention to the mini camp news, which is why we thought we would go over a couple different things, Evan. Number one, just kind of what the takeaways are since, you know, by the end of today, as we record this, every team will have had their mandatory mini camp. And you do get some news, especially information, you know, injury information out of, mini camps and OTAs that we want to make sure our listeners know what the true ramifications are of that. And also just some other research you did sort of, I would say extra credit or an addendum, if you will, Evan, to some of your top 10 research notes a week ago. Yeah. Hopefully everybody caught that show. I mean, it's just like an information dump. You know, it's a bunch of information that I've come across as I'm kind of setting my expectations, writing my team previews and setting my expectations for what I think is going to happen, you know, um, during the 2019 season based on what players have done historically, based on coaching staff changes, based on, you know, offensive line impact. You know, uh, the Rams for the last couple of years have had – you know, maybe the best offensive line in the league or a top three unit, all of a sudden we have situations where, you know, they're, they're, they, they moved on from their center and their long-term left guard, Roger Saffold, um, and they have new guys in there. And we're going to talk more about um, offensive line play in the future, but, you know, just little data points that I, I want to try to apply to each skill position player to you know, come to a, a more confident projection um, for what I think is going to happen and what their upside and what their downside is for the for the forthcoming season from a fantasy standpoint. Yep, uh, looking forward to getting into that very much. And some of these were actually some of my takeaways too that I wanted to discuss with you. I should mention, by the way, there are still people, Evan, that listen to this show 
that have credit card debt, but don't do anything about it, which I just don't understand. There are services like Lightstream that literally will wipe out your credit card debt with and give you a credit card consolidation loan from 5.95% APR with AutoPay. So look, a lot of people get into credit card debt. It happens. It's not the end of the world. What is stupid, though, is if you keep paying 15, 20, 25% on multiple credit cards, even one credit card, when Lightstream will wipe that baby out for you, and then you just pay them 5.95% APR. The average credit card interest rate is 19%. Like, are you kidding me? If you're listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast, you're trying to find value, you're understanding that, you're trying to make the best decisions. Paying credit card debt every month is not the best decision. It's not. You got to go to lightstream.com slash feast, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash feast, lightstream.com slash feast, subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount, terms and conditions apply. Offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash feast for more information. Evan, let's feast on some mini camp notes. Yep. And I want to start with some running backs, and in particular, some former Georgia running backs. We finally found out the mystery that is Sony Michelle. I don't think this came as much of a surprise to me. I mean, when the guy hadn't been seen in a few weeks, knowing what his history was, I thought, ah, yeah, he probably had to get his knee scoped or they're doing something there, which to me, it it just baffles my mind again that the Patriots took him in the first round. Like taking a running back with a known degenerative knee in the first round just seems so against everything the Patriots do. Uh, It's really interesting, but he was a good player for him last year, and they won the Super Bowl. So what do I know? Yeah, yeah. So the first we heard about Sony Michelle's knee problems was really right before last year's draft. Mike Lombardi and Mike Mayock, then of uh, NFL Network, now, of course, the Raiders GM, they were both talking about it before last year's draft. They said that there were some concerns that Sony Michelle had an arthritic knee. But Michelle never missed time in high school or college with, with the knee injuries, you know, he goes and uh, he did miss time as a freshman at Georgia because of a fractured shoulder, but never with the knee. Um, but, you know, I, I think it was discovered. It was probably discovered at the combine. Uh, I know I remember he had to go back for the, the medical check um, and he re injured that same knee in training camp. He missed the preseason and week one. It was characterized as a, a hyperextension. But, man, he, he missed a lot of time. I think that he might have had an initial knee scope um, uh, during training camp last year. And then he got healthy, and he got into shape, and he took over. And he averaged 19 touches per game with 12 touchdowns over the final 14 games. But he did not make it through the season unscathed. And as we just found out, um, and, it, and, and it happened <clears throat> kind of late in the process because – Patriots uh, beat writers had had seen him on May 20th on the practice field. So he did not have the scope until uh, late May slash early June. 
So, I mean, it's not like he just got it taken care of right after the season. You know, I mean, I, I think we could characterize this as a setback. The Patriots clearly had ongoing concerns, even after how, how strong he finished, about him. They used a second-day pick on Damian Harris. They're bringing back James White. James White has the most secure role in the backfield. Rex Burkhead is also back. They paid money to get back Brandon Bolden, who's going to take up a roster spot, a 53-man in a – uh, 47 man, uh, or whatever it is now, 40, 46, 45, a 46 man roster spot because he's so good on special teams. So this is, you know, this is the toughest that, that we we've had the Patriots backfield to sort out in a while. Usually it's just three guys, but now we have like essentially five and maybe even six, if you want to count James Devlin, because he does count as a running back and he's going to be on that on the, the game day actives list. So um, I'm, I moved Sony Michelle down from my RB 18 to my RB 24 and I moved up Damian Harris um, so that he's like right on the fringe of the top 50 running backs. Let's get to another Georgia running back, which by the way, you know, just as an aside, Alabama always gets a bad rap for this. You know, guys coming into the league beat up. But mm-hmm. you think about like Nick Chubb with the torn ACL in college at Georgia. Sony Michelle came into the league with the degenerative knee and now he's had it scoped again. Gurley had the torn ACL in college and has the degenerative knee. I mean, these guys are all like under age 25. I think Gurley's what, like 25, 26? So it's not just Alabama where. You know, you can get a pounding, which what's ironic, by the way, is that Gurley came into school with, what was it, Keith Marshall, and they totally rotated like his three years, and he missed a lot of a year with a torn ACL, and Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb came in the same year. So you'd think that that would really have lessened their chances to get these major injuries or to have the wear and tear, yet... It didn't. Uh, they, they still are all, you know, coming off injuries or have had significant issues. Yeah, you know, another guy, uh, Malcolm Mitchell uh, at Georgia, came in the league with kind of a similar situation. He unfortunately had to retire recently, but a really talented guy who came into the league with major injury and specifically knee concerns. Um Again, you know, and we've talked a decent amount so far about Todd Gurley, but Todd Gurley did not participate in OTA slash minicamp. And what I'm still leaning on with regard to Todd Gurley is just the tangible evidence, and that's the team's moves. GMs, coaches, these guys can say things to us that really aren't truthful in press conferences, in combine interviews. They can lie straight to our face, but they can't lie to us in their transactions. The Rams matched the Lions' restricted free agent offer to Malcolm Brown. They traded up for Daryl Henderson in the top 75. Um, and, I mean, I feel like they've told us multiple times publicly, whether it be through, you know, Ian Rappaport, because, um, you know, Les Snead's wife is Kara Henderson. She worked at NFL Network for a long time. You know, NFL Network, NFL Network is based out in L.A., you know, they have really solid Rams connections. And whether it be through Ian Rappaport or the Rams pub, the Rams publicly, they've told us multiple times that Todd Gurley is not going to be the workhorse that he used to be. 
Um, so right now I have Todd Gurley kind of going back and forth in the RB12 to RB15 range. And every time that I look at my rankings, I think, him, I think about moving him down further. I haven't drafted him once so far this offseason. Some people are saying that this is a chance to get a value uh, on Todd Gurley. I'm not sure. What do you think? Do you think that this is a situation where people are overreacting and um, Todd Gurley is going to be just fine? Or what, what's your read on the situation, Ross? Well, I thought that the best point made so far was made by MJD, who is the Rams color analyst on the radio and is friends with Todd Gurley, where he basically said they've got a plan. They're going to manage this because they want to try to make sure Todd is explosive all year. And he said, I forget the quote, but he's like, you're not going to see him out there for 50, 60 snaps. It's going to be less than that. So really, there's a several factors. One is how the knee feels, uh, how the younger and other guys, Malcolm Brown and Henderson, do you know, when, when it's their snaps, when they're reps. If they're really flourishing, I think you'll see Gurley even more spot duty because I think they want to save them for the stretch run in the playoffs. If those guys are struggling, you might see more of Gurley earlier because they want to make sure they at least get to the dance, get to the – to the chance, but really, you're just betting, Evan. On you know, you always say it's a volume game. I just don't think the volume is going to be there for him. So you'd be betting that he's going to be very effective on fewer touches than he's gotten the last couple of years. Yeah, I was listening to uh, Pat Kerwin, Kerwin on um, Sirius XM Radio talk about a situation too, and what he thinks is going to happen is. Todd Gurley, he's not going to be able to work out as much. So he's not going to be in as good a shape. You know, he's going to get in the pool, but he's not, he's just not going to be in optimal form. And, you know, maybe the template that, and one of his best games last year was the play, the playoff game against the Cowboys. Um, you know, next gen stat, next gen stats had that is his most explosive game all season. And I want to say he had 16 or 18 touches in that game. So that might be the template for where they want him from a usage standpoint. Um, but, you know, now they have other guys there. They really have four backs that they can use. They've got Todd Gurley. They've got Malcolm Brown, who they re-signed. They've got Daryl Henderson, who, who, for whom they traded up. And they've also got John Kelly, who was who looked pretty good in the preseason last year. So they have a lot of options there right now, a lot more options than they did at this time last season, and uh, I, I think it's, you know, yeah, I, I think that we're just going to see his his workload scaled back, and um, I think that he's going to end up being drafted, or at least he should end up being drafted as like an RB2 this year. Let's get to another running back, a guy I'm very familiar with for multiple reasons. One, watching every snap of his at Penn State. Number two, now that He's with the Eagles, and I, I thought maybe I was at Eagles minicamp on Tuesday, and I thought maybe you know they had been saving Miles Sanders to, and, and hoping that he could participate in mandatory minicamp, but probably the smart decision to give that thing six more weeks to heal uh, the hamstring that he pulled so that he can be ready for training camp. And I don't think it's going to affect 
his availability for the season. And I know there's a long history of running backs as rookies that have success. I would just say it's not easy. You know, like anybody that is ever a rookie will tell you it's not easy. There are some nuances, some things you have to learn, uh, especially in the passing game. And to miss everything in the spring, it's a lot. I mean, he'll be behind. I don't know if it's actionable, but I think it's just something to note, especially when you've got Clement and Smallwood and Jordan Howard and those guys still there. They seem to like this Boston Scott as maybe a um, you know Darren Sproles type of role. So you know we'll see how quickly Miles Sanders can play catch up during training camp. Like I said, I don't think it's enough to move him anywhere from where you think of him. But I would say it's absolutely something to monitor during preseason games, which would be, you know, what's his health like in the preseason? Like, is, the, is he all the way back from the hamstring? And then also, you know, does it look like he's clearly the number one guy or 1A and 1B with Jordan Howard? Or does it seem like they might bring him along a little bit slower just because he missed out on a bunch of reps in the spring? So that would be my take on Miles Sanders. I don't know if you have a different one. No, mine is very, very similar. Um, don't like the idea of any rookie missing reps in the spring, basically missing the entire spring, as Miles Sanders did. With a hamstring injury, I mean, you can get out of shape, I think. You know, because I mean, how many tales have we heard? This happened to Joe Mixon a couple of years ago. How many tales have we heard of, you know, rookies, incoming rookies, having, you know, like a, a soft tissue injury, not being able to get on the field, not being, you know, not being able to do anything really except for hit the bike because there's not a whole lot you could do. You just have to let it heal with rest, especially with a hamstring injury. So in my experience, it's always prone to setbacks. It can lead a player to get out of shape. And I'm not too worried yet, but there are, as you mentioned, a lot of guys to beat out in the Eagles backfield right now. A lot of guys that have been there that know the offensive system, um, and you're already looking at a guy who probably doesn't have the highest ceiling just because the Eagles have been adamant about keeping a, a three or at least a two-man backfield. And Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders as a rookie probably has a ceiling around 15 touches per game. The most touches for an extended stretch that we have seen a running back get in the Eagles' backfield has been Jay Ajayi, who over his last 10 games with the Eagles averaged 14.4 touches per game. I think that's a good estimate. For Miles Sanders, uh, but of, uh, of course he's going to have to stay healthy. And yeah, now this is something that we're going to have to, you know, day one of of training camp is Miles Sanders going to open on the the active pup? You know, is he going to miss like three weeks in training camp? You know, now it's now become a situation to monitor. Let's get to Aaron Rodgers because he's been talking up a couple of receivers that he really likes. I don't think he does that just to do that like he he's not one of those people that 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 lies or if he does you can kind of tell he is I mean I it really seems like he loves Valdez Scantling and even this week he was talking up Kumaro yes and I was glad to hear that about Marcus Valdez Scantling because in that Ty Dunn piece on Bleacher Report where he just gave a a, a big review of the Packers organization really over the over the last um Certainly in 2018, um, there were some indications that Aaron Rodgers, you know, 
wasn't a huge fan of Marquez Valdez Scantling, or at least wasn't a huge fan of his inconsistency as a rookie. Understandable. You know, the trust factor is huge with Aaron Rodgers. That's why Devontae Adams just shattered every single uh, previous receiving mark that he had last year, uh, tied for first in the NFL in targets. And this stuff is interesting with Aaron Rodgers talking about, talking up MVS, talking up Jake Kumarau. In um, Green Bay, uh, among the skill position players, we have Devontae Adams, and then we have a whole lot of un- intriguing but unproven guys. MVS, Equanimia St. Brown, Jamon Moore. These guys were drafted last year. Now they're under a new coaching staff. Uh, Geronimo Allison is back from um, – he had multiple injuries last year. Uh, I think it was a, a hamstring, a concussion, and a groin surgery that ended his season. He's back. He was really productive in the first four games, by the way. He was on pace for over 1,100 receiving yards in the first four games. Um, then you got Jimmy Graham. They used a third-round pick on Jay Sternberger. So a lot of like complimentary guys competing for playing time. And it's going to be just going to be a matter of which guys step up and earn the trust of Aaron Rodgers. I think that Marcus Valdez Scantling is pretty clearly the best talent. I mean, six three runs four three seven. You know, he showed us he showed us that he could make big plays last year, albeit in a small sample size. But he had the best. I mean, he 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 earned way more snaps than uh, Equanimous St. Brown, way more than Jamon Moore, who only played I think like seventy snaps all year. Um, and MVS showed that he could play in the slot and outside. So he had some, like, position versatility. Um, but, yeah, I would encourage anybody to go, like, on my Twitter page or on Aaron Nagler's uh, Twitter page and just listen to the comments that uh, Aaron Rodgers is making about Jake Kumarau, who um, is – he was – he destroyed in the first two games of the preseason last year. He had – um, a couple of touchdowns, and I think he had 118 yards in the second game of the preseason. He got hurt. He broke his shoulder celebrating a touchdown. Uh, but he comes back, um, and in week 16, he caught a 49-yard touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers against the Jets in that big shootout game against the Jets. And now we have Aaron Rodgers talking him up big time. I mean, overflowing with praise for Jake Kumarau. So, and this is a, um, you know, he's a local product. He went to UW-Whitewater. And, um, you know, he's just now starting to get opportunities. I think he's going to be a guy to monitor closely this preseason. I really think that this is a wide-open situation. And although MVS has the most talent, I think that Jake Kumarau um, if he earns that trust, and he's going to be on the field ahead of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And I think he's going to be in there in the three-receiver sets with um, with Devontae Adams outside, with Geronimo Allison in the slot, and Jake Kumarau uh, as the other outside receiver. They Another thing about to know about Jake Kumarau is that they use him almost strictly at outside receiver. So he's not necessarily a guy with position versatility. Last year he was 95% outside, and based on all the reports from minicamp and OTAs, he is still playing outside um, under the new coaching staff. So I want to get ahead of this one with you, Evan. Kumaro. Kumaro. Say Kumaro. 
Kumarao. No, say Kumaro. Kumarao. Kumaro. So his dad's Eric Kumaro, who was a first round pick, and Eric Kumaro's sister married Joey and Nick Bosa's dad. So he's first cousins with the Bosa's. Um, it's Kumaro, Eric Kumaro. Dad right. and uncle, both first round picks in the NFL draft. Uh, and both of his cousins. He's like he's like the scrub. He's like the, he's like the major disappointment. Um, let's talk tight ends, uh, specifically with the Patriots. Gronk retired. Ben Watson suspended the first four games. Safarian Jenkins released. And while we were recording this, Evan, the New England Patriots traded a conditional seventh round pick, which we know from my experience, is only for the elite of the elite players, to Detroit for Michael Roberts. So the Patriots did add a tight end today, literally while we're doing this. Michael Roberts from the Lions. Yeah, Michael Roberts, uh, he played a decent amount last year. Didn't really do a whole lot. I remember coming out of, uh, I think he went to Toledo, I want to say. Um he scored 16 touchdowns in his final season. Um, wasn't a terrible athlete, uh, but now he enters the mix. I mean, it's like him and Matt Lacoste. And they also have Steven Anderson there who's, you know, he's just he, – he can never really get on the field consistently for the Texans. He's a good athlete. He's like a converted wide receiver from Cal. Um, but that's who we're looking at right now. In the, in the New England tight end core, they keep acquiring guys. They know that it's an issue, you know, so they are not ignoring this. I think that Matt Lacoste is the favorite to become the week one starter. You know, didn't, didn't embarrass himself last year, I think, with the Broncos. Um, has always been a pretty good, like, possession receiver tight end, and I think that he's the favorite right now. But they did at least just give up something uh, to acquire Michael Roberts, who had kind of, you know, because the Lions acquired or they they uh, they drafted T.J. Hawkinson, they gave Jesse James a pretty good deal. Michael Roberts kind of became expendable. Um, but I yeah, I think he's a guy worth taking a flyer on for the Patriots. And now, especially in like really deep like tight end premium like FFPC, uh, which we talk about sometimes, they they do a lot of high stakes stuff. They use tight end premium. Michael Roberts very much in the mix there and uh, also in, in uh, as a, a super late round pick in best ball. Let's get to some other research items. By the way, I, I just think it's weird that the Patriots traded Jacob Hollister and Brian Schottenheimer was talking him up this week. I just like with all the uncertainty there, it's kind of bizarre to me that that's the guy they traded, but they usually know what they're doing. So uh, that was interesting. They, they but just let's gave up on him because because of the health situation. Like he he was hurt all last year, so I think they just kind of threw in the towel. But yeah, I mean they put in like two years into his development and just kind of gave up. Got it. I didn't know that. What about um, what about some other items? Like I saw you tweet that Deshaun Watson's your QB one. Wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I mean, I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to be the quarterback one for most people. But I, I've settled on Deshaun Watson 
as my quarterback one as long as Tyreek Hill is in limbo. As long as it looks like Tyreek Hill is probably going to get a league suspension. And I don't know, you know what that is or anything. I, it's all speculation. But I am speculating that, I, that Tyreek Hill is going to get like a six to eight game suspension right now. Um, but as, as long as that, you know, that's not cleared up, like as long, until we get news that Tyreek Hill isn't facing any discipline at all, and I don't expect that, uh, I'm going to have Deshaun Watson number one. Last year, uh, he, well, of course, as a rookie, he averaged 28.2 fantasy points per game, which was even more than what Patrick Mahomes scored last season. Patrick Mahomes scored 26.9. Um, then the, the year after that, of course, last season, Deshaun Watson was the quarterback four overall in fantasy. He had the 11th most passing yards in the NFL. He had the third most quarterback rushing yards. That was despite taking a league-high 62 sacks. Um, he suffered a partially collapsed lung and a broken rib in week five. Um, if you go back and just look at his game logs, and I remember – kind of being in the midst of this because, you know, from a daily fantasy perspective in particular, you're, you're looking at this stuff on a week-by-week basis. After he suffered that partially collapsed lung and the broken rib, they really dialed back just how many exposures to hits. You know, this just makes sense. Um, but how many exposures to hits he got, his pass volume, his pass attempts went down, his rushing attempts went way down, and he wasn't very good in fantasy for like, the next, um, next like five to six weeks, with one exception, where he just destroyed the Dolphins. I think it was a Thursday night game. He had like five touchdowns on 19 pass attempts or something like that. Um, Kiki QT and Will Fuller. Kiki QT missed 10 games. Will Fuller missed nine. So they combined to miss 19 games. Um, the Texans have finished top 12 in the NFL in play volume. In all five years of Bill O'Brien's head coaching tenure, um, we want teams that run more plays in fantasy because we can get more box score production from those teams. And Bill O'Brien's offenses have consistently been up-tempo, giving us more ability for the players on the Texans to earn fantasy points. Um, so that's kind of where I, I, I stand. Oh, one, one other thing that I noticed is that so last year, Warren Sharp had the Texans rated as the uh, ha- as having the easiest schedule in the NFL, and they actually wound up having the second easiest schedule in the NFL. This year, Warren Sharp has them rated with the toughest schedule in the NFL. So we're flipping that thing on its head. And historically, Deshaun Watson averages 1.3 more average yards per pass attempt and 1.3 four more yards per carry when he is playing from behind. And I went back and looked at a bunch of quarterbacks historically, like Cam Newton, uh, Peyton Manning, um, you know, a bunch of different quarterbacks. And I, and I wanted to see, is this rare? Do quarterbacks um, have higher pass attempts or have average more yards per pass attempt and more yards per carry when they're playing from behind? The answer is no. But a lot of these quarterbacks, Peyton Manning and Cam Newton in particular, were better when they were playing with a lead. But And I think this makes sense intuitively when you watch how Deshaun Watson plays. He plays with like a sense of urgency. And um, I think that that kind of 
might might help explain why he is, has been so much better playing from behind. So because they're facing a literal 180 in terms of their schedule strength, um, I think that that could actually bode well for Deshaun Watson statistically. And I think that he's a, an MVP candidate this year for sure. I think that their three-receiver set, if they can just get 12 to 14 games out of Kiki QT and Will Fuller uh, opposite DeAndre Hopkins, I, I think they're going to put a lot of points on the board this year. Speaking of wide receivers, Evan, let's get to Amari Cooper, Allen Robinson, and D.D. Westbrook. We'll start with Amari Cooper. Yeah, Amari Cooper, I recently moved him into my – I had him wide receiver 14, and I, I moved th- some things around recently. I moved him up to wide receiver 10. Um, and I just – you know, going back and looking at, at how productive Amari Cooper was – after arriving in Dallas, they really emphasized getting him the rock. First of all, it was so impressive how, you know, on the fly, he was able to develop chemistry with Dak Prescott. We saw a, a, another midseason um, trade acquisition happen uh, with Golden Tate, and, the, you know, the opposite outcome occurred. But Amari Cooper and Dak quick clicked right away. Uh, really love to see that. Um, he has always been kind of knocked for dropping passes. He only dropped four of 94 targets last year for the Cowboys. Um, I have him in the uh, 135 target range uh, this season. Um, His pace stats, if you – so he played 11 games with the Cowboys, including the playoffs. If you just extrapolate that to 16 games, 96 catches for over 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, That would be a phenomenal – season for Amari Cooper and very much worthy of a top 10 wide receiver pick. He's in a contract. You're actually Dak and Amari are both in contract years. Um, Amari Cooper just turned 25 in June since the 1970 AFL NFL merger. Only six players have more have, have logged more receiving yards before the age of 25 than Amari Cooper. Um, so he's, you know, he, he's historically still very much on pace, even though he had some ups and downs in Oakland, got traded. He's still very much on pace to, you know, like threaten for Hall of Fame status. And um, I went back and, all, and I also looked at the Cowboys schedule uh, this year. And man, in weeks one through six, they have one of the softest pass defense schedules in the NFL. I'm expecting to use a lot of Dak and Amari Cooper stacks in DFS in the, in the in that first six week window, um, and I also like that pairing in best ball. Uh, you can get Amari Cooper pretty consistently in the third round, and you can get Dak Prescott pretty consistently in the eleventh round. Um, and I think that that's a great stack, and I think it's going to be hot early in the season. You mentioned Allen Robinson; he was um, w- one of the guys that I had at, atop the list of guys to fade last year guys to avoid last year you know and I thought it was a kind of a predictable outcome that he was going to be up and down at best and probably disappoint I mean the guy had just missed the previous season he played like four snaps in that week one game before tearing his ACL in 2017 he was switching offenses switching teams learning to play with a new quarterback you know and um he was, he was up and down. Uh, he was banged up a little bit, but he really caught fire 
late in the season, especially in that in the playoff game against the Eagles, where he had 10 catches for 143 yards and a touchdown. He looked like the old Allen Robinson. He still wound up being targeted by Mitchell Trubisky more than any other Bears pass catcher. And I think that he and it, and now because his season was a little bit disappointing and people are skeptical of Mitchell Trubisky, Allen Robinson's ADP is way, way lower than it was last year. Um, so I think that this is the time to buy. He's still a young guy. He's 26 years old. So I think that Allen Robinson is now one of my favorite, favorite buys this year. D.D. Westbrook. You mentioned led led the team led the Jaguars in targets, catches, yards, receiving scores last year. Horrific quarterback play. He reminds me a lot as a player of T.Y. Hilton. Um, he ran four 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 coming out of Oklahoma. Um, he has shown vertical ability out of the slot, and he pl- that's where he plays. He gained ninety of it ninety percent of his yards last year on slot routes. Um, he also showed elite ability with the ball in his hands. He did this at Oklahoma too, but he averaged 14 yards for punt return this past season. He scored a 74-yard punt return touchdown. Always like these these young players who show an ability to dominate on special teams and just be better than other people with the ball in his hands. Went back and looked at Nick Foles, of course, the new Jaguars quarterback. His history of who who is he targeted a lot, and he has. He has t- he targeted in Philadelphia. The, his most targeted player was Zach Ertz. His second most targeted player in Philadelphia was Nelson Aguilar, who of course is a slot receiver. Go back to Nick Foles' eleven starts with the 2015 Rams. Tavon Austin, slot receiver, was his most targeted uh, receiver over those eleven starts. Um, the Jaguars are moving around a lot of targets. They're missing the the third most targets from last year's team. And I think that D.D. Westbrook, after earning 101 targets last year, I mean, if he ascends to like the 120 range, 130 range, you know, he could have a monster breakout season. I think he's an, an exceptional talent. I love his, you know, the, the positioning on the field where they use him. And I think that Nick Foles is, although he's not, I don't think he's going to be like a top 15 quarterback or anything. Um, I think he's going to be a big upgrade on Blake Bortles as a passer. I feel like a lot of that stuff, Evan, that you just said was actionable for people over at betonline.ag in terms of prop bets. I love it. The receiver stuff. We'll have to see what they have for Amari Cooper, Deshaun Watson. I know they've got some prop bets up over at betonline.ag using the promo code podcast one. Or if you just want to go ahead and bet tonight, game six. In the NBA Finals, you can do that as well. It's really that simple. Go ahead to betonline.ag. Use the promo code PODCAST1 so that you get that 50% welcome bonus. That is the key. PODCAST1 at betonline.ag. One more show to go for you this week. We will have a Friday edition of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Andrew Brandt. We'll be on the Friday edition this week. I'll be giving out winners in terms of people that spread the word about any of our shows via social media or people that take advantage of any of our sponsors like Lightstream, like betonline.ag. Remember, by the way, there's a sponsor page over at RossTucker.com. We always have all of that for you guys 
over there. So you don't remember the exact code or the URL or whatever. You can always just head over to, to the RossTucker.com, click on the Sponsors tab. Tomorrow on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, I'm going to have a lot to say about the Patriots filing the tampering charges against the, Texan, uh, against the Texans over Nick Casario. Uh, we talked about the Sony Michelle Nisco. Mitchell Schwartz, good timing on the extension for the right tackle after my article this week. And Colts cornerback Kenny Moore getting extension. So a lot to talk about tomorrow. Uh, looking forward to the final Ross Tucker football podcast of the week. If you didn't listen to Gambling 101 with Steve Fezzik on the Even Money podcast and you've thought about maybe dipping or dabbling into sports betting, highly encourage you to listen to Even Money podcast this week. Other than that, I am pretty stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found. Hey, everybody. Yeah, you. You have to check out this amazing new true crime podcast. It's called 22 Hours, An American Nightmare. It's about a murder that took place in Washington, D.C. A family and their housekeeper were held hostage for 19 hours before being killed when the murderer set their mansion on fire. You'll be shocked by what they went through during those 19 hours and you won't believe how they found the guy. I won't ruin the ending, but all I will say is pizza crust. I'm telling you, you got to check it out. Podcast One teamed up with award-winning journalists from news giant WTOP to put this story together, and the podcast is excellent. Download 22 Hours in American Nightmare now on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. New episodes every Monday.